Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hello to all my former au pairs. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. Chris Gathard here, and I want to say welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Thank you so much to everybody. Last week's episode, Apple Watch saved my life. People in the Facebook group were smitten, smitten with that call. Everyone using words in the Facebook group like lovely with such a big heart. It made uh, it made me have such a nice day because of the caller's advice and energy. Heartwarming call. A lot of people just typing the words, my love. A lot of people saying, this woman's beautiful. What a good, uh, a good community we got going there. And caller, your, your positivity, your warmth will be long remembered in the, uh, in the world of this show. Now, this week's show, I'm really happy to bring it to you. It's, it's about a place, ostensibly. It's a person from a place who goes, what do you want to know about this place? And the place happens to be Holland, the Netherlands as we say. And the caller immediately calls me out and goes, I bet you think a couple things about it. And I go, yeah, I do. I think about X, Y, and Z. And the caller makes it clear, yeah, the rest of the world, especially Americans, you tend to think about where I'm from as this wonderland. Well, let me tell you that it's an actual layered place with flaws and and victories and all sorts of things, just like any other place. And I love that. I love how this show, through a phone call, through somebody picking up a phone, all of a sudden, I get to hear about another place in the world, the people who live there, the perspectives that I don't get just with the stereotypes. Really love it. Hope you love it too. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hey. Oh, wait. Did you just say How your are name? You? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Sorry. That's yeah. okay. We'll just bleep it. Uh, we'll bleep it. It happens. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's also because my 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 phone just uh, just finished a call on its own because I'm in Netherlands and the charges are pretty high and I hope it's not going to do that again. <laughs> oh, okay. So okay. I was just figuring out. Got it. How it's going to stop that doing that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no. No worries. No worries. How are you? Uh, I, I'm. Uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Had a good day. Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm feeling pretty positive, despite the fact that there's so many things to worry about. That's that's really nice. I think that's something that's always needed in this world. I don't know. That's how I figured out life most of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. Try to keep being positive. Absolutely. I am with you. And it's hard. They don't make it easy, but it helps no, a lot. No, it isn't. But it's, it makes not going down that hole a bit easier. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I'm very, I'm very. If you ex- start. Oh yeah. yeah it can just snowball. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm very excited to talk yeah. to someone from the Netherlands. Thank you. I'm very excited to talk to you just in general. I've, uh, I've listened to quite a lot of uh, the episodes. I always enjoy listening to d- different perspectives of people. So, um, should I just tell you some things or do you have any questions? 
uh, I'm happy to hear where you want to kick things off. And I'm sure I'll have a hundred questions along the way. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I'm in quite an international community myself in the Netherlands because I've, um, uh, I studied, uh, international primary school education before. And because of that, I, I, I have some opinions about my own country because I've, heard like the culture uh from uh, like the perspective of other people and it's always interesting to hear um you talk about it because you always say that we're very progressive but um it doesn't always feel like that when you're here i don't know so that's okay the interesting but we're very honest and i really like that i really like that about our culture well, I find I find all these things quite intriguing for two reasons. One, I do think at least Americans we see mm-hmm. we see uh, liberal drug laws, we see sex work uh, destigmatized and legalized, mm-hmm. and I think those things. And everybody rides bikes feels very environmental in that way. So I, I think we do yeah. have this sense that it's quite liberal. But maybe those are just sort of the surface level things that you hear about, right? Drugs and sex and bikes, the big three, the big three. (laughs) But you hear, I guess that's, right? Those are big headlines, drugs and sex. And you go, oh, see all these liberal posts. But then that's not always the Yeah, I can imagine. That's not the depth of the matter. um, Like, uh, for example, uh, weed is illegal now in a lot of states. It's still not actually legal in the Netherlands. It's... uh, how do you say that? Uh, I forget. It's 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 tolerated. Like decriminalized. So yeah. So you can't actually grow wheat, but you but people can sell it, which makes it really weird and a bit backwards. Mm-hmm. And as like a like a citizen, you can like grow like one wheat plant, but not much more than that. And yeah, it's it's a bit. Yeah, it's all a bit vague in that sense. But I do like that we have legalized sex work. But in like, but even there, not everybody likes that. Here, right? So it, like, is is the we still people who are against that? It, <laughs> let's let's talk about both. So with the weed issue, yeah, I'm sensing mm-hmm. a couple things about it. Is one, does it, so this image we have of like, you go into a cafe and you get magic mushrooms in your tea and you smoke the best weed ever. Is that more, hey, we're going to make <laughs> a lot of money off of tourists, but then there's maybe a different standard for citizens? Because I could see that feeling weird, like a double standard in a way. I, I don't know. It's um, I think the way it is, like Dutch people do also partake into drugs, but it's more of uh, you're in your teens or in your your student and you party for a bit and most people don't do a lot of it after that or don't do it at all. And you do have coffee shops and you can do those things in the coffee shops. Um, But it's, yeah, it's not like, it's very, it's, it's different than like drinking. It's not as open and everything. And I think... Uh, a lot of Dutch people are more irritated by the tourists in Amsterdam who are very loud and do yeah. all these things. You and can say it. Start. You can say it. <laughs> I'm not going to be offended. Yeah. We know who you're talking about. <laughs> oh, by- don't worry. It's not only Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to imagine that we are, everybody. <laughs> we are amongst the more annoying, I have to imagine. Know if that's the case, to be honest. But also, I'm not from Amsterdam, so I couldn't say. I mm-hmm. like I've talked to a few people who are, and they haven't really talked. I think I think Germans are pretty irritating as well. I wasn't gonna <laughs> say. It. Well, I will tell you this: I was once. In like I said, we're really honest. <laughs> it sounds like it in a way that uh, 
not all Americans are, especially Irish Catholics like me. We tend to bite our tongues. But <laughs> I tell you, when I went to Sri Lanka, I, I, I do remember once um, there's this beautiful old train that was, I think, built between the two world wars. It's like light blue and it goes across the country and they leave all the doors open. And you can kind of just sit with mm. your legs dangling at this tree and you're going through all these farms and this amazing... Oh. And there was a German man who stood in, yeah. in one of the doorways for the entire duration mm-hmm. of the trip with his with his headphones in, listening, like blasting dance music. You could just hear it. Oh, yeah. For hours. That's very much their culture. And you, yeah. could, you could feel a lot of people. And, and I don't know that this was because he was a German person, but I do feel, I think a lot of people are going, hey, can, can somebody else get a chance? Because you kind of you've been standing in that doorway for hours and like a lot of other people would like to take a few minutes to soak this all in. And I don't know that it's because of Mm -hmm. him being German, but I've had at least an experience with a German tourist that echoes your opinion. (laughs) And I look forward to our German callers. I also also have lovely German friends that I love with all my heart. And I want to go to Germany. I keep hearing that the cities in in Germany are are probably some of the greatest art hubs in the world right now. And I want to, I want to go, I want to go try doing comedy, American stand-up comedy in Germany. I think it would be amazing. Yeah. I'm very interested how that would go because I know that, uh, that's, I don't know. We have our own kind of comedy. And to be honest, I like British comedy a lot more than Dutch comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious how, how the Germans are with our comedy. I actually don't know that well. I know. Um, I want to give a shout out. There was a, a very good friend of mine, one of my dear friends who I did comedy with in college, was hired mm-hmm. for um, a Dutch comedy group called Boom Chicago. Um Okay. Where he went to Amsterdam and performed and became like sort of a celebrity in Amsterdam. Like his face was on the side of buses and okay. stuff. I thought that was cool. Comedy cool. culture. Comedy culture. Yeah. Over there. Yeah, that is cool. Do you call it Holland or the Netherlands? The Netherlands. Holland is part of the Netherlands. Like um, we have 12 provinces. Oh, got it. Uh, and two of them are Holland. So one is North Holland, and the other one is South Holland. But all the more famous places are in Holland. So that's why most people Mm. say they go to Holland. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. And then we had touched upon the sex work, which you said some people don't like. I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. here's what I do like about it, is that it means people Mm -hmm. can keep an eye on the health aspects, the public health aspects. And the thing that I really appreciate is... When you read stories of human trafficking, I I would say it's probably one of the worst things that's happening on the globe right now is the stories of what happens when people wind yeah, up falling into the horrible. hands of, of human traffickers. So the idea that you decriminalize something in a way that undercuts um, yeah, that, and I, oof, that, that I like because that's yeah. modern slavery. If you go read up on that, you'll read about it for about 20 minutes and go, oh yeah, if there's anything we can do to stop this it should be done so anyway that's yeah my no yeah that's it's horrible and i know that even within like the legalized sex industry there's still some problems because sometimes it's hard you know people get manipulated it's hard to see which girls are there who really want to be there and who don't and um so there's even question of maybe should we make this like a government thing like should we make it like like an institute of the government so that it can be even more like regulated in that way right it's interesting times interesting thoughts yeah but there is a dark side you say it's not it's not all it's not all it's not sort of like the hippie counterculture wonderland we presume (laughs) with the liberalism no i i think i think part of it is um like you know the whole immigration story of europe is a lot of people are afraid um i think in every euro country almost that they're gonna lose their culture sort of and i know that because of that like there's this this bring 
racism like for other cultures going on for people just being very afraid of that and it's it's scary in our country because on one hand we're open and we want to and that's like the front but people like but on the other hand people are afraid so it becomes this very like people don't know that they're actually not being open and kind you know thing so people's fear kind of gives them a myopic view of things where they don't even realize that they're maybe falling into a track that's um, more negative than they think. Yeah, at least that's what my point of view is. I don't know. Like, and I maybe have to be careful with this because, you know, it's a whole country of people and um, we are very much a country with a lot of different small cultures within it. Like, mm -hmm. um, I know in England, you have a different uh, accent every mile you go. And we have that someone similar in the Netherlands. Like, everybody is a bit different. And you have a lot of small subcultures within the country. And um, if you go in the north, it's a totally different kind of people than in the south. So, you know... And we're not that big, so that says a lot. <laughs> and how long has the Netherlands been around? Because pardon my ignorance about this, but I'm wondering if the Netherlands was part of this section of the world where when you read about when you read about European history, and to be fair, it's not something I'm an authority on, but I am a nerd who soaks up information. One of the things that I'm always shocked nice. by is that when you look at the parts of Europe that are now Germany, Austria. It wasn't mm. all that long ago that those were actually like 30 different little mini kingdoms that all kind of just interacted with each other. Like they were completely defined cultures that shared a lot, but were different. Like these. Yeah. Like I'm a, wondering if a the lot Netherlands of Europe has been like, a, 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 like it's a lot of, like it was a lot of kings and like trading around countries for a long time and territories and that sort of thing. I think, I think 15th century we are from the 15th century. And I know we first became a republic. Like we were the first republic in the world um, before we became like a kind. And then we became a monarchy again, which is an interesting thing. So, yeah. We we at some point we were first we were the 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 Netherlands so we we were together with Belgium and uh, at some point but we were we were different like duchesses so the provinces were like different uh, like different regions uh, would uh, rule in every province and uh, like and a and and uh, a few of them were also in Belgium, and we together were like the Netherlands. And then um, at some point, uh, like one, some wanted to follow this ruler, and the other ones didn't want to do that. It had to do with Protestant, Protestant, like being Protestant and Catholic, and. To be honest, I don't know the details anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been a while. Well, that's that's one of the things that fascinates <laughs> me about Europe is you hear a lot of that of like, oh yeah, this this country you've heard of used to be called this, and it was actually part of this other country that you've heard now of that name, but that name actually meant something different back then than it means now as far as who was involved, and it all kind of blends together yeah. in this way that's like really beautiful and also so confusing, I think, to the American eye. Like you hear about like, oh. Well, if you go to this one section of France, like historically, that was kind of part of Germany, and they speak this language there where everybody speaks French and German, but then there's also kind of this hybrid language. Yeah. You start to hear this stuff where you're like, mm -hmm. wait, what? Wait, how many languages do you yeah, need to know to go to the supermarket in this part of the world? What? And, and like, and you, you, you hear about the countries now, and there's still, there's like that part of Germany, Bayern, uh, I forgot what the. English word was, but like there's a part of Germany that wants to be independent, and there's a part of Spain that wants to be independent from the rest of Spain. Like mm -hmm, there's still mm -hmm. history going on of countries not being totally united, and 
like feeling different because of the history and those kinds of things. Right. And everything happening with the United Kingdom is having such an impact now on all of Europe. And then it does yeah. that. Feels... I was there when they put out the vote for Brexit. Oh boy. I was no pair. Yeah. The <laughs> child, the six year old child I looked after, he cried. It was a sad day. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. But I guess that is, it's so <laughs> fascinating to think about, right? We see, I think it's Catalonia and Spain, right? Or no, um, Catalan. Yeah, I think it so. wants to break off. I forget. I'm being ignorant now. And then the UK is breaking up and that it is so momentous. Mm-hmm. But from European history, I feel like a lot of you, everybody there grows up reading history books where you're like, oh yeah, no, this is just how it's been happening for, forever. Everybody shifts and merges and separates. Yeah. And- it's, it's true, but it's different when it happens to you. And we, we've grown up in a relatively like a good age where it was like it's peaceful for for the most amount and so the things are shocking but on the other hand i both my grandparents have have like fought in the war still and it's yeah it's easy to forget how it can how yeah how movable the world is and how things can go wrong and yeah, those kind of things. Now, we're about 20 minutes into the call, and I'm fascinated. And hearing about sort of the inner workings of a country that a lot of... It is, it is, it must be weird for you to realize as a resident of the Netherlands how... I don't know if it's the rest of the world or just a lot of the, the liberal the liberals in the States kind of put your country on this pedestal. And it's, it's cool to hear like, oh, well, here's... Mm-hmm. It's actually more layers to it than that. I do have to ask, at least quickly, what are... Uh, yeah. What are the folks in the Netherlands thinking about my country lately? You can be honest. And let's pause there because that is the cliffhanger, right? It's a fun conversation when we get back. It's it's not exactly what you think it's going to be. See you after the ads. Thanks to our advertisers for supporting the show. Now let's get back to the phone call. I do have to ask, at least quickly, what are uh, yeah what are the folks in the Netherlands thinking about my country lately? You can be honest. <laughs> it's it's okay. Don't don't be offended. It's sort of comedy. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I get it. Uh, yeah, no, but um, no, on one hand, that's the case. On the other hand, uh, we are strangely involved with America, like, um, because we are very, a country that's very good in English. Uh, it's very much our second language. Uh, and because uh, we, we follow pop culture pretty closely here, like, um, uh, we don't really have subtitles on most of our movies, so and and we do get also mostly American movies from. Uh, so a lot of people do feel very close to it, and do we do debates as well about what's happening there, and uh, we must feel worried and also feel like like most of the time like there it's. A bad or a worse situation, but there's not much in the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, it sucks. is. I have to say, it is always astounding to me. It's happened a lot with callers um, who aren't residents of my country. Where when I ask this question, it comes up so often that it's like, no matter how, like fear-inducing our politics are. It's e- it's even actually maybe stings more to hear like, oh no, we're just actually laughing at you guys at this point politically. Then you hear that America's saving grace is like, yeah, but like you guys also gave us hip hop and you make Star Wars. So like that goes a long way. Like the pop <laughs> culture goes a long way, you know? And and you do, you guys have a big influence on the world. Like it's, um, I don't know. I, I have, I have uh, one of my housemates uh, okay, I'm going to say this. He doesn't endorse Trump, but okay. he likes some of the geopolitics Trump did because 
you guys could have you you sometimes were a bit explosive in geopolitics wise and Trump was very much someone who he did some explosive stuff but for the most part he was pretty mild in that regard that's fascinating yeah because domestically that the if that's the international experience it's fascinating because mm-hmm. that must mean because domestically i i if there there's probably there's probably conservative listeners right now very liberal listeners right now mm-hmm. and i think we would all agree mm-hmm. domestically there's never been a more explosive president than donald trump in my lifetime yeah I mean, hands yeah. down tore down institutions in a way that some people were kind of almost numb from the negative feelings of that. And then as you've seen, other people who were so inspired by that explosiveness that they put Mm. on minotaur horns and and fur (laughs) vests and stormed a capital, which is an international emblem of democracy. Is that the comedy? Mm, when you see uh, the guy dressed as the Minotaur, yeah, is that the comedy? Yeah, no, that's not the comedy. That's something that we actually also don't like and where we are also very concerned that's and where we're like, oh, that's, that's good. And that I have, goes too far. And uh. <laughs> I mean, and I have to imagine too, considering history and, and it's so appalling here. I think for 98% of the population, when you see people storming the Capitol and some of them have on Auschwitz t-shirts, yeah, you're going, yeah. what, what is, but what think, is happening? I think, you know what, where the comedy mostly lies, and maybe this will be even harder to hear, Okay, that you guys don't have proper conversations between each other. Yeah, it's annoying. And that you can't find middle grounds. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, like, yeah, it's, it's it's really weird to see, sort of. I don't know. I, I I'd like to think I'm a pretty smart person. I read a lot. I read the news every day. Mm-hmm. I try to keep an open mind about even the, the people I vehemently disagree with. I try to go yeah. okay. Like. There's a representative right now named Adam Kinzinger who keeps speaking out against some of the the conspiracy stuff and lunatics in um in the Republican Party, and I go, let me look up what he's done, and and is he just a fiscal conservative who I can respect? Has he has he made life harder for you know uh, the LGBTQ community? Do I have to worry about that before I find some respect for this guy? But there's. There's mm-hmm. so few people like that that I can actually name his name as the one person I can think of who's done I've done that for and and you read so many quotes yeah. now that you're right where something will happen and, and you'll read the Republicans go but the Democrats did this and then the Democrats go well the Republicans did this and it's like guys are we in and junior high school yeah, really and I sometimes think yeah but I also know that. As human beings, you probably have a lot that you do have in common. And sometimes I think, why don't you start the conversation there for once and then mm-hmm. build up to the things that you don't have in common so that you at least get done what you do have in common? It's 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 wild. And I hate <laughs> I hate I I'm I gotta say, I like being American. I love mm. I love being from New Jersey, and I hate that I yeah. have to. I hate that. I hate that I have to feel apologetic, and I hate that I have to feel like, oh no, yeah, we agree. There's things you do political grid. I, I do. I do but feel it, like that. I do feel like that. People I, listen okay. to this show all over the world, and I feel like I have to say, yeah, it's a little, it's a little nuts, and it makes I, me cringe, like, and it makes me scared. I think. I think all countries in the world have their weird, weird things. And like the fact that World War II and World War One happened means, means that some weird things happened here. And we had to go through it and did some, have some big mistakes before we got out on the other hand. And we've learned some things, but we're still sometimes going 
back to that place. And I don't know. I don't think you have to apologize. I think you just have to do your best. I try. I try as an individual. It's hard. Do we? Do uh, do the Americans get any love in the Netherlands from World War II? Because I think, right? I've watched Band of Brothers on HBO. I think we liberated country. Is there any? Are you guys helped? Yes. Yeah, we helped. <laughs> we we. Uh, ah, yeah, you do. I love that. I love that. What a great answer. Let's. Uh, you guys helped. You guys helped. Can we stop the American dialogue that you flew over and parachuted it, and the war was over ten minutes later? You helped. Yeah. Yeah. No, you you guys have you have some love for that. You do. Okay. Okay. That's good. <laughs> yeah. But do we also like to march in and take all the credit? And you're like, well, there were allies. Can you remember that it was called the allies? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, I like to keep the new ones. New ones. <laughs> maybe we weren't just maybe we weren't just sitting here waiting for you guys to show up in your planes. Maybe we were actually trying to be active on our own right as well. Maybe can we get a little bit of that? Yeah, no, I, I do really appreciate that part. We we do we do really good. appreciate. Okay, okay, that's good. That's good. Yes, and I, I know it wasn't like that meant that also on your side a lot of nasty things happened and people lost their life. It's just sucky all around (laughs) yeah i mean there is pride there right that it's like hey when when the world needs us there's been a couple times where we sent a lot of people across an ocean to fight in a place they'd probably never been before and maybe would never go again because it was the right thing to do Mm. there's some pride there i also think we kind of fall yeah but you know what i think one thing that's very very sad about the recent years is mm. is probably starting with George W. Bush. And sadly enough, I think even for as much as I love Obama and he will, I will always feel like he was my mm. president and my generation, like Guantanamo's still open. We're still doing drones. Like yeah. I think I think a lot of us maybe one of the things at the core of all the divisiveness in America is I think maybe a lot of the liberal people are going, World War Two was in 1945, and I don't think we can convince ourselves we're the good guys forever if we do bad things just because, just because we still think, make war movies about maybe how that's part of the problem. Yeah, maybe you should stop looking at yourself as the good or the bad guys, but at people as people who make mistakes yes. and who aren't infallible, and so have to think really hard. Before doing things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I love it. I love when our European friends go, guys, America, here's what it comes down to with everything you're saying. America kind of acts pretty immature on the world stage. And we are a country that hasn't <laughs> been around as long. And you're like, you, all you do is fight. Maybe you could think a little harder about your decisions. You kind of have these outbursts that make us roll our eyes and laugh at you. And this is how a lot of us describe like a an, a, a, a petulant 12-year-old child. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I don't want to make people hate me now. No, they uh, won't. They won't. And I'm leading it there. If anything, though, there will be comments going, Chris, you got to okay. show some pride. And I do. And when I have traveled. Yeah, and. And and felt the love. And the thing is, I'm proud. Yeah, and I think um, like being able to show what like the problems are and the good part. That's like that's more. That's being prideful. That's like showing yourself for who you are in your totality. Like totality. I think that's part of like loving yourself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 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 What's your day to day life like? What would surprise me? What are the things that are different in how you and I spend our 24 hours in a day? Oh, um, I don't do like a lot, to be honest. I, uh, before the pandemic, I got a burnout and I stopped studying. Uh, and so now I'm, I've just had like the, the, the whole pandemic here. I, I, I moved to a different city and now I'm just sitting here waiting till the new school year starts so I can start studying again. So I have a job in delivering stuff in the evenings uh, on Tuesday and Saturday and I uh, do some tutoring on the side and that's it. I think, yeah. 
I sometimes hang out with the friends within my bubble, which is nice. And I do theater sport, which is lovely. I love it. Did you say theater oh. sports? <laughs> yeah. Like the like the improv style? Yes. Oh. Yes. That's cool. Yes, and it's been very interesting to do that. Um the like on the I don't know if you know Discord. Discord, the uh the it's online like, server, like the chat like, communities? Yeah. 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 So we do it on Discord now because we can't meet in person. And so, for, yeah. for anybody listening, theater sports is this, um, what would I say, almost like, I mean, theater company, but also brand that you'll find in many places that is, I, I think it's still operating. It's a, it's a style of improv, like uh, akin yeah. to what you might see so on the, the show, reason, Whose Line Is It Anyway? I, I don't know the show, but I'm sure that's true. <laughs> At least in my day, it was like more of like it's games. Get up and do yeah. It's, it's games it's and more competition. Games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a referee on. So stage. it's small for four or five minutes. You do a game and you do it against another team, and then they do the small form, and then you get a jury to say like, "You did this good, and you did this bad." <laughs> and can I ask how old you are? I'm 23. 23. 23 living in the Netherlands. Delivery a couple nights a week, tutoring on the side, make some comedy. Yeah. Hang out in a community (laughs) full of other creative people. This is the life. This is. I don't think I'm that funny, though. (laughs) (laughs) It could be. That could present an issue. That could present an issue in a fast-paced type of game-based improv comedy. Could be. Could be tough. You can also bring other things to the table. I am creative, so maybe not that funny, but I'm creative. I'm joking (laughs) because I was. I think actually in the states there was a stretch where I was regarded as one of the better improv teachers in the country, and I think you're right that there there are a lot of there's a lot of things you can bring to the table when you're doing that style of comedy that. Mm-hmm. aren't focused on the funny part that can actually be really useful. Of course, if you can do both, it's pretty ideal. But you can have people who That's would never true. make you laugh in real life who can just help other people on stage who do have that in them just get there further and faster. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. But I think, I, yeah, so I'm not that fast. Like, um, I, I have ADD. Mm-hmm. And... Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that means that sometimes my brain takes a bit longer to get there. And I think that's hard with, with comedy. Like, I really like puns. And my problem is always, I, then I, when I get there, when I get to the comedy bit, the timing is gone often. So, <laughs> like, I don't know. You're thinking it, about. It reminds me of something. Oh, sorry. You're thinking about something I, that happened before, or that's about to happen next, or whatever. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it a million times. Yeah, no, that's also. I, I I go from one topic to another to another in my head, which is yeah, sometimes hard to follow. I, I think of something. Um, I my father. Uh, uh, my father died at a pretty young age, and oh, sorry. Um, so he had uh, MSA, which yeah. It sucks, but it's what it is. Um, yes, which is a form of Parkinson's, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it meant that he almost couldn't talk. Like at some point, like he was very slow. So he got this talk computer where he could type things in, and then it would talk it out for him. But it would take ages for him to type it out because his muscles were almost like not oh. working anymore. So he. He would like type it out, and the rest of our family would just go on talking and wait for him, like to talk it out. And he he sometimes would like ty- type something out, and it was like two sentences, and it took him like maybe twenty minutes to type out. And then it was a joke for the conversation that we had twenty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Someone, someone who has to really move at a slow pace, interacting with someone with severe ADD, I can imagine there's some, some frustrations and some comedy in that. I don't know if it's severe. 
Ah, depends. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, it was often great to just hang out with him still. So. Yeah. That's so hard. Yeah. So hard yeah. to see. It, it's it's like I feel like when you see someone progress down that path in particular, it's so it's just so hard because it's mm. this sort of like slow moving process where step by step you see it and, and I'm so sorry that you yeah. dealt with it. Yeah. It's it's interesting because like he he was already sick when I was six. So I never really do him very like absolutely healthy. Like I knew him when he was still able to do normal things. But I don't know. It's sometimes it's 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 weird that because of that I feel I've never really gotten to know him as a person because as a child you don't really get to know people as like especially not a parent, like as a person. You get to know him as a parent and yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it really does. It's a, do you, I would have to imagine that, that, I mean, that's a very specific life experience. And when you're describing mm. a life now where you're kind of taking it easy and figuring things out and being creative and keeping a light workload, and do you think, uh, mm. do you think you're someone who is maybe kind of prone to some soul searching right now? And is, is that, I have to imagine that experience might help lead to that. I could also be totally wrong. Um, I think, yeah, I, 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 I totally think that's true. I think I've done a lot of it already, especially um, when it comes to him. Um, like uh, right after he died, I went to England for a year as a pair, which I loved because I didn't have to meet anybody that was sad about him and had to hear the whole thing over, which was really nice to just escape for a year. And um, I, yeah, I did a lot of soul searching then. And uh, yeah, also after that, I don't know. It's It's been an interesting ride, especially with my burnout when I really like, I couldn't think at some point anymore. Like I literally couldn't, think a sentence my brain was so muddy and it it made me have to come to terms with why did I get so stressed out emotionally and physically that that my brain just stopped working and that yeah that made me also have to come to terms with things with my father Let's pause there because that's a big one, right? That's a big one that we got to unwrap on its own. So I think it's a perfect time to take a breath, come back, and get into it. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. That's it, everybody. No more ads. Now it's time to finish off the phone call. Why did I get so stressed out emotionally and physically that that my brain just stopped working? And that, yeah, that made me also have to come to terms with things with my father. That's so fascinating what you just said. Because you know what I'm thinking is like, you, you just said something akin to like, why did I, why did I, I had to figure out like why I burnt out so hard and I forget the exact way you you phrased it, but then myself and I imagine a lot of people listening are go, oh, of course, of course you did. Of course, like you went through something and of, of course you had to sort it out and rebuild and there's going to be sort of ways in which it leads to your life having these moments where you go, wait, what is going on? 
but then from the outside, that's always, it's weird. It's this, what a weird thing that when you deal with loss, especially from someone that close to you, anyone on earth mm-hmm. goes, oh, I totally empathize and sympathize and, 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 but that does not change the fact that individually you have to go through that process. That every, everyone can yeah. have some level of understanding, sympathy, and empathy does not change the fact that you need to mm-hmm. figure out yourself what the hell is going on. Yeah, and I don't know. In my case, it was a bit different uh, in the fact that the grieving over his death was almost already done before he died, which sounds weird, but he was sick, like really sick for 12 years. And um, they said he had five, he had 12, which is amazing. Um, But that also meant that I already expected him to die since I was a little girl. And it was somehow always in the back of my mind. And if you do that, you've had already the hard conversations and you had the crying and it took him also a bit to die. So in that week we were with him and I don't know, that emotion was spent, but um, I know that my, uh, but it's a lot of things you missed because you were busy with that. Like a lot yeah. of. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Because if mm-hmm. it, it's a, a situation, it's your father, it's, it's one mm-hmm. of the closest relationships you have. And when you're, you know, when you, from, from when you were a, a, a pretty small child, when, when you know, okay, we should expect my father to pass away any minute. And this goes on for 12 years. Mm-hmm. It has to fundamentally become part of who you are. And in a way that's very confusing and, and maybe a little dark, I would have to imagine once he passes, you go, well, living under that expectation. I'm sure finally, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's so much sadness. I'm sure there's also, (laughs) there's suffering that's over and there's some relief, but then there must also be something for you on like the internal level, which is, wait, that, that, uh, that was a piece of my identity. Part of my Mm. daily experience and my family experience was my father is in this situation and now I'm not in that situation either. And it it must be, it's a situation that's so specific and extreme that when it's over, you must go, who am I without that? Yeah. Yeah. That was really weird. And I don't know. It's, it's, and it's also, it's, yeah, it's just a lot of soul searching. It's really hard to explain as well. And also because, and that's why I was so happy I was away because a lot of the people started grieving from the point on that he died. And it was really hard to be around that. Right. Because you had already had to reconcile it so many times that it's like churning it back yeah. up. What a... Like he... um Actually, I like I listened to the uh, I forgot uh, euthanasia episode, and he got permission for euthanasia a uh, half a year before he died. So that was like it was very much oh yeah, here he goes, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost that time. It's uh again, I know it's. <laughs> trite and simple thing to say, but my condolences, that's not, I mean, death is never easy, let alone someone that close to you, but these specific circumstances are particularly cut deep in a lot of ways that, that I think most people don't have to deal with. Yeah. But I don't know. It's interesting. And and you're right. It's, it was really hard at that moment. And looking back at it, I'm very happy that he could do that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's the and interesting you part said, about it. Now, wait, yeah. you said he got permission for euthanasia. Mm-hmm. I may have missed this. Was it just permission that was sitting on the table or was it ultimately something that he did act on and it was the method of his passing? So, sort of. This maybe sounds weird, but um, so... 
uh, he got permission, and then there's also like how, and his how was uh, they would stop using things because he was in a way on life support from the medicine that he was taking. Like he got, if you, he got this pump in that pumped medicine directly in his stomach. And if you looked at what the medicine was, it was equivalent to cocaine. And that's the only way he could sort of still like do things. Otherwise he would just stay, stay still in bed and not be able to do anything. And, um, and also eating and drinking is also part of it. Like people, you get, you get kept alive. He was in a care facility. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, um, a month before he died, my aunt actually, uh, died from cancer and, uh, that was his older sister. And he sort of, he, he never imagined dying before his, any of his family because, you know, he was, <laughs> yeah, he had this diagnosis. And he just, he sort of died from grief. He stopped eating. He started doing things and uh, they didn't do anything about it because he got his euthanasia thing. Mm. And that meant that that was his, his own choice. So, um, and I think it was also like, I think he was done after that. So it was, yeah. Yeah. So he just stopped caring for himself. And that meant that he started dying. It's really sad. I'm going to say something. I hope this doesn't, <laughs> yeah. I feel like this, I hope this doesn't come off as <laughs> no, a joke. It's true. Well, because when you described no, one thing, I'm going, yeah, I mean, if, if I, if I was in a, if I was, if, if I hit a point where medically I needed to have a device pumping cocaine into my stomach just so I could function on an even close to basic level yet, yeah, at that point I might go, I think maybe we need to think about if this is, I can't have a cocaine pump in my stomach for the rest of my life. We might need to really get, have some hard conversations. Oh, oh, that still had already like gone. Like yeah. it, it, uh, he had that pump for a while before he decided. He actually, he, he, like, he showed me how little people need to be content with life, which is really beautiful, actually, because he kept um, fighting. When it got worse, he found new things to enjoy from life. And he made it pretty far before he decided that. It was enough, and that he wanted to have a chance at euthanasia, maybe. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, that must it must feel it. It must give you some sense of peace because it doesn't sound like he gave up. It doesn't sound like he no wallowed yeah. in it. Or it. It sounds like he really lived well beyond. It was, it what, was this time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, it sort of makes it less sad. <laughs> and now how long ago did he pass? Um uh I think it's 2018, so 3 years ago. Yeah. And then you spent one of those years you just said I'm just going to kind of get out of here, clear my head, let everybody process this grief that I've already oh, kind no, of wait, processed. Wait, wait. It's been way longer. No. Wow. No, it's five years ago. Wow. Um, sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, no apologies. It's, it's things in my numbers in my head. I was like, oh, wait, that doesn't sound Makes right. Makes sense. Yeah, no. Do, yeah. You, do you feel like um, you had mentioned there was, you know, we talked about so much soul searching and rebuilding that goes after that. Do you, I'm sure that's like a, that's, a, that's something that's never going to be totally done but do you feel like you're mm. there by and large sorry can you repeat that as far as you know you mentioned that there was like a, a confusing era of having to sort of sort out 
where your yeah. head, head was at in the aftermath of your father's passing and your, even, I would imagine, your father's life. And there's so much yeah. reconciling. I guess I'm just wondering where you're at in that process. Um, I think I'm pretty far. That's um, good to hear. I, yeah. So after the burnout, I did a year of therapy. And um, it was already on the schedule, sort of, which is nice because it always takes ages before you you can go anywhere with with the mental health system. I don't know how that's in your country, but it takes at least three months here before you go to the first waiting list. Um, and uh, so, and I still clearly remember when. I felt like a part of that burden just fall off one day. And I was like, oh, life can be on a basic normal level. Like there's like an emotional well-being that can be a basis that's not crying every week, <laughs> like once a week, like just falling apart. And it yeah. was really nice. <laughs> that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Genuinely so glad to hear that, that, uh, you turn that corner. Can yeah. I ask you a weird question? And completely disconnected. Oh no, you finish. Finish course. your thought. No, no, no. You were about no, to no, say no, something. No, no, no. I, I don't know what I. I forgot what I want to say. So you well, I was to going go. to say something <laughs> totally frivolous and disconnected to this. That's like almost okay. definitely a dumb, unproductive question. I love dumb questions. What kind of stuff do you deliver? Uh, food. Yeah. I'm I, the English name of the company. Oh, should I plug some? I don't. I don't know. It's uh, to you. It's called Takeaway. Okay. I don't know. It's it's like Uber has been trying to take over, and uh, here as well. And Takeaway is like a big competitor, and I like it a little bit better because we get hourly wages, and they do pretty delivery. So it's what you like in a company because they are more flexible in a way. So. Yeah. Just living. Do you have uh you're in the, you're in this stretch now. That's beautiful. I miss I spent so much time stressed out when I was in that phase of like, I'll just pick up some random jobs and make my art and see what happens. I was so stressed out and I regret it because I look back, I'm like, that was mm -hmm. the golden age of my life. And I hope you feel it. I do wonder. Do you have some long-term goals? Do you have some things where you're going, man, in an ideal world, I'd love to nail this. Um, what are those? So I, I want to study and finish studying. And that's a hard one for me. I found that I'm very much crap at it. I'm not good at studying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I do, I, I know I'm smart enough to study and I know it's a lot easier if you do something. And I have found a study I really like. So I want to do uh, creative therapy. Um, and uh, I also think it's something I would be good at. So that's, that's a long-term goal of mine. And um, I don't know. Another one that's maybe a lot, a lot more vague is I want to help people in any way I can. I don't know. Yeah, just contribute to the world in some small way. And I think that's about it. That's already a lot of long-term thinking for my brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, based on what you've described, it, it doesn't sound like you're someone who keeps like a five-year plan. No, I'm not. I'm very much in the moment and very chaotic. I find it. I, I'm in the. I'm in the country of planners. I don't know if you notice. Um, I I know that people from other countries are always very annoyed when they come to the Netherlands in the fact that we plan all our social meetings. Mm -hmm. So. If you want to have fun with a friend, then you're like, okay, let me get out of my agenda. Can you, uh, uh, like this day on this hour? And then we, and then you better be on time, you know, maybe 10 minutes late if you're a really good friend. 
but uh, <laughs> and then you call each other and and that's that's like and i know people who have their calendars like marked for three months in advance and like a month is my my absolute like <laughs> farthest i can't go farther than that so, so and people always are really irritated with me because of that. <laughs> now let me first let me be clear because you explained to me the difference between the between Holland and the Netherlands, which I'm 40 years old. I learned that today. Is everybody Dutch? Are you Dutch? Is that yes? Go? So you're it's telling the same country. It's just two provinces in the country. Well, you got it. It's like you, two. You got to admit that from the outside perspective, we hear it's Holland, we hear it's the Netherlands, and then somehow you're called Dutch. Like what? What is? These are all very different things. I'm from America. You yeah, call me I don't an know American. Where, where, England, they're English. Germany, they're I, I th German. I think the, <laughs> like the Dutch thing, we, we just, like, we call our country Nederland mm. and uh, ourselves Nederlanders. So yeah. we have the same thing. So I think the Dutch has something to do with some etymology in English and not so, so much okay. with us. Okay, fair. <laughs> but you're t you're telling me that you're telling me that the way Dutch ADD works is that people get people get frustrated with you because you can only plan one full month in advance. That's Dutch ADD. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it's also like just forgetting everyone's names yeah. and not being able to keep my room clean and that sort of thing. But yeah. I kid. <laughs> Because American ADD is like, oh, there's a kid in school and he can't sit in a chair for more than four minutes without standing up and flipping over the but chair just to see what happens. I know. I'm making jokes. I'm making jokes. Yeah, but it's, 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 okay. So the reason why I get a bit like finicky about that is because um, it does make for quite a large difference. It does. I'm aware. Um, I I, you're right. You know what? I apologize. I just made a joke about something that's not <laughs> really a joke. Just when you yeah, said you plan sorry. a month in advance. <laughs> no, but when you pl said you plan a, a month in advance, it made me giggle. I made a dumb joke. You're right. I described ADHD, which is a, a different thing and that I'm sure creates stigma yeah. for people with both. And I, and I probably would have laughed if it wasn't on the show in a way because I don't know because a lot of people don't know the difference. It's true. And so, yeah, it's and um and I I like everybody around me who has ADD got diagnosed in their twenties, and um because of that they often got some comorbidity problems like some. Sometimes depression or bipolar or something like that, and it's it sucks. It sucks that oh. that there's not a better understanding of that. I am with you, and my doctor has been telling me for years that I have a lot of textbook signals of of having ADD, and that she believes it's at the root of a lot of my depression. So I'm I'm with you, and I'm sorry for my dumb joke. We got a minute. We no, got one fine. minute left, and now I feel bad. One minute left, and now I'm sitting here okay. feeling guilty and bad, and that's on me. That's no, not on you. Hey. That's not on you. Hey, now on you're me. making me feel guilty. That's not nice. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's my dumb joke back. <laughs> Wait, what was it? What'd you say? Nothing. Nothing oh, at all. I can go and listen back. We recorded it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, just listen it back. I don't want to repeat it. <laughs> Fair. We've got. It was good talking to you, though. Yeah, we got thirty seconds. I have to say, uh, a lovely conversation. Thanks for, um, thanks for letting me know, both sort of uh, personally and culturally, where you are at. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm glad we talked, and uh, thank you for making me able to talk about it. I hope I didn't say too much embarrassing stuff. No, I think you. I think. You handled yourself greatly. I'm the only one who made a clunky joke that hurt anybody's feelings. Anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, at least I laughed about it. <laughs> or, yeah. <laughs> okay, good night. <laughs> 
caller, thanks so much. I will live in guilt forever based on a 40-second stretch of the end of that phone call. Thank you for calling so sincerely. Thank you to Anita Flores and Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Shellshag. Thank you to Jordan Allen. ChrisGeth.com if you want to know more about me. If you listen on any platform, Apple, Pandora, Series, whatever you're listening on, they have some version of subscribe, favorite, follow. Hit that button. really helps when you do. If you want to hear our whole back catalog without ads, go to stitcherpremium.com slash stories. Thanks for listening. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, our caller suffered a few different types of abuse growing up, and he tells us all about how he's trying to move forward and reconcile that. This morning, uh, I actually had a panic attack. It came from just this overwhelming feeling that I'm not going to finish. And in the back of my mind, I hear my parents' voice, you have to finish because if you can't, you're not going to be better than anybody else. And that's just like, wait, what? (laughs) That's not right. Uh, so you, uh, there's some deep-seated family stuff here that that's rearing its head. Yeah, there's that, and well, other things that happened to me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I oh, I'm, I'm not as uncomfortable speaking because I know that this is totally anonymous, and I'm okay with that. Uh, so I, I'm just gonna come right, out right and say uh, I was uh, molested by my family as a child. And uh, it did more damage than I realized. And I'm just uncovering all of that now. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.